Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Just as draft season is creeping up on us, and we're you know about to get hit directly in the face, especially with with all this information, with how you know it's that that the water hose has been kinked, and all of a sudden someone just made it straight, and that water just going to come blasting out and just showering us with the fantasy goodness. So please be sure to subscribe and do all that for us. Leave a comment, rate, review, tell a friend. Let someone else know. Say, hey, you know what? I found this really fantastic, just superb fantasy football podcast that you just have to know about. Do that for us. It would mean a lot. So today we're going to be talking about running back sleepers. Obviously, running backs are the are the hotness this year, whether it's zero RB, heavy RB, heavy RB, modified running back, anchor running back. You're going to see all these terms thrown around as you're doing your fantasy football research this year. So we're just going to jump right into it. We're going to hit you guys with some deep sleepers. No matter what your strategy is going to be, these guys should be on your on your radar and for your for your later round picks. So, Kev, why don't you kick us off here again and tell us about your running back sleepers. I feel like I could have cherry-picked a little bit and took in some guys like Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, Chase Edmonds, those, those kind of um, handcuff backs, the guys that uh, you know, you're one of pairing with. Some of your late round guy or some of your early round picks, but I felt like that was completely cherry picking and that's not really serving anybody any purpose because everybody already knows about those guys. Those guys are certainly the top handcuff backs. If anything happens to Zeke, Kenyon Drake, you know, uh, you know, those guys or Dalvin Cook, then those guys instantly become lottery tickets. So obviously, you know, th- those guys are going a little bit earlier, the 10th, 11th round, somewhere, somewhere in that range. And rightfully so, because if anything were to happen to them, now the, the, the difference between those guys and some of the guys I'm going to be talking about where 
they may not have much role. Alexander Madison's a little bit different. I do think that he's still going to have a role in the offense. It's not going to be significant, but I think you could probably looking probably 10 touches per game probably is about fair. They are still on an offense that wants to run the ball a ton. But for that, for that sake, I didn't really want to talk about him. So I'm going to start off with my first one is Latavius Murray. He's not typically a guy that I like to shoot for, but he is going in the 10th round, and he is going to have a role in this offense. We've seen that that Sean Payton's willingness to really utilize two running backs. Alvin Kamara was hurt last year and banged up. So Latavius Murray last year uh, still didn't have a huge workload. I mean, he, he handled 40% of the snaps, 39% of the opportunities. He averaged about 11 touches, almost 12 touches per game. He had 29 red zone touches. He only had two goal line carries, but he, you know, he had almost, you know, 900 yards. He had 637 rushing yards, 235 receiving yards on 34 receptions and six touchdowns. So to be honest with you, you know, there's a little bit to like here with, with, with Latavius Murray. Like, one, we know if Alvin Kamara goes down that this dude is going to get the majority of the touches out of this backfield, and he is a capable pass catcher, and he's somebody that kind of every year is kind of always a little bit slept on, even when you go back to his days with the with the Raiders. Like, he's just never been somebody that anybody's super excited about, even though he is he is a hell of an athlete in his own right at his at his size. But I think there is still lots of like here. If you can get him in the 10th round, he's somebody that even on a, in a pinch on a, on a weekly flex or something like that, somebody, you know, depending on if they have a great, you know, if they have a, depending on matchup, I think he is somebody that you can utilize, you know, once we start getting the bye weeks and everything else, though, which maybe you're looking for a flex week option, Latavius Murray's that guy. If anything happens, if anything happens to Kamara, obviously wheels up. And but we've also seen back in the days that Mark Ingram was there that you know they do like to split the touches, and I do think that you can see that a little bit more, especially with Kamara being injured last year. I think maybe you know they want to kind of throttle his touches a little bit because of the fact they do not want to get him hurt and and you know and limited like like it was last year he just clearly wasn't the same guy so moving on for me these other two guys are much 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 later down the in terms of where they are going uh, Latavius Murray's RB41 going at 1007 the other two for me are Justin Jackson and DeAndre Washington DeAndre Washington's going at RB67 or the 20th round which is undrafted most people aren't drafting 20th going that late and then justin jackson's going rb 54 1608 so i'm going to start off with deandre washington obviously he is the handcuff or he is the backup to clyde edwards hilaire i do think that i i tried to go back and look at what happened with with kareem hunt back whenever he was uh, his rookie season, and he still handled uh, a lot of the snaps. He he played about sixty five percent of the uh, the snaps in, in his rookie season, and I, I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire could come in somewhere in that range. He's been getting rave reviews over the over this offseason. Damian Williams opted out. I know Daryl Williams has been getting some run with the ones. I do think Daryl Williams does get some opportunity, but I think DeAndre Washington. We've seen that he is a capable pass catcher as well. He had forty targets last year with the Raiders, and I mean he was he was money last year and probably won some people a little bit of fantasy championships. I mean he had twenty. 1.6 against Tennessee, which I believe was week 14. Then week 16, he had 18.6 against the Chargers. He finished last year with 387 rushing yards, 292 receiving yards, three touchdowns, 40 targets, and 108 carries. Uh, he averaged about 7.6 fantasy points per game throughout the entire season. So, like I said, I mean, he is certainly that. He's kind of like a Damian Williams type running back, right? Like he's that that Andy Reid guy. That he also has rapport with Patrick Mahomes. He also went to Texas Tech, so they have some connection there as well. So I like DeAndre Washington's late round guy. I don't know why he's not going higher. I know Clyde Edwards-Solaire is expected to be the, get the lion's share of this offense, and I think he probably does. I think he probably comes in at 55, at least 
bare minimum 55, probably fit in that 55 to 65 percent range in terms of opportunities. But I do think DeAndre Washington can carve himself out a role, especially in this high explosive offense with somebody that could find himself getting some touchdowns. So I like DeAndre Washington going at RB 67. The other one for me is Justin Jackson. And the more the more and more I've really dug into Justin Jackson, like Justin Jackson hasn't had a ton of opportunities, but he's always been efficient in the opportunities that he's had. Um, if you go back to, you know, if you look at him too, and he, he's an explosive athlete. He has a 77, 72nd percentile uh, 40 with a 4.52, 85th percentile burst, and 96th percentile agility. Um, he's never really had many opportunities, but when he's been given opportunities, he, ha- he has produced. 2018, he had double-digit fantasy points in three of his final four games while Melvin Gordon was out, and he split time with Austin Eckler. Um, he averaged 17 touches per game, or we also have 17 touches per game vacated by Melvin Gordon heading to Denver. And I think it's reasonable to expect that he's probably going to get 10 to 15 touches per game here in this offense. People say, whoa, that, that's, that, that's quite a bit. And here's the thing. Like, I think this offense wants to be a run first offense. I, I really do. I think they have the defense for it. I know they have all the weapons, but with Tyrod, that's just not what you, that's just not a great situation. Because I don't really believe in Tyrod Taylor, the quarterback. Like, I think he is a, a sufficient bare minimum game managing quarterback and I think that they're going to try to run the ball as much as they can and I think that they're going to be splitting time now a lot of people have been really high on Joshua Kelly but while I was kind of looking this up and I was kind of trying to find you know some nuggets on this Anthony Lynn uh, a couple of weeks ago talked about this situation and it was not good news for Joshua Kelly, he mentioned Justin Jacks as being potentially the key to the backfield in 2020, which was like, okay, that blows your hair back a little bit, right? Because uh, we're all expecting for Austin Eckler hype season, and by saying that he's the, the key to the backfield was a little surprising. So this is what he said. This was his exact quote. He said, we're going to figure out a way to keep him healthy and keep him on the field, but, he's on the, uh, but when he's on the field, he's definitely going to make plays for us. And then he went on to talk about Joshua Kelly and let you let me know, Cody, what you think about this. He said, then there's the fourth round pick, Joshua Kelly. As a rookie, Kelly will have to be both a core special teamer and a possibly a contributor in the backfield. Sounds like an old school dude doing old school things. Well, I mean, but to be fair, though, when, in, in that situation, I mean, Justin, Justin Jackson's still really young, too. I think he's 23. Like, it's not like Justin Jackson is old, and he's like, he's been in the league for a really long time. It's only his third season in the league. I know they. Sp- no, that's definitely that's definitely the, the rookie. Oh, yeah. Treatment. But, but, like, all but, right. Special teams, and you bring us the water every day. Yeah, for but practice. My, my point is, though, by saying that he's going to be a special teams guy does not make me feel great that he's even going to have even a role in this offense. Like, yeah, if certainly if something happens, if Justin no. Jackson were to go down, Justin Jackson has has gotten hurt. Um, if something were to happen to him, or if possibly something happens to Austin Eckler, then maybe he would have a role. But right now, I mean, he doesn't sound like he's even he shouldn't even be considered by fantasy gamers, to be honest with you. And so, like Justin Jackson. Like those are some pretty strong words from Anthony Lynn to talk about Justin Jackson. So that, I like Justin Jackson. He is going, uh, like I said, 16th round, which again, for most people, that's undrafted. And so I love Justin Jackson. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hammering him late in every every single draft. Like I think he's somebody that has that that standalone value. I think he can be a weekly flex option in this offense, and somebody that I think is explosive. And I think he's actually a really good running back. If you go back and look at his days in Northwestern, I mean, he had a thousand yards every single season and almost had I think he had double digit touchdowns in three of the four years there at Northwestern. So there's a lot to like on the Justin Jackson profile, and I think people as soon as they drafted. Um, Joshua Kelly that everybody just sort of kind of pushed Justin Jackson aside and forgot 
that about Justin Jackson being there. So I like Joshua Kelly, or excuse me, I like Justin Jackson a lot. He's one of my favorite late round sleepers. Yeah, I like those calls. Someone that you mentioned at the beginning of it and said you didn't want to take the easy way out with Chase Edmonds. I think that's someone, you know, reading into the the quotes and how you were talking about with Anthony Lynn and the Chargers, Chase Evans is somebody who I think could have have a role outside of just being a handcuff as well. I mean, you want to talk about some strong quotes in the other direction. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was asked about Chase Evans, and he said he thinks he's, he, that he is a legit starting running back in the in the NFL, could be a team's RB1. And when as far as to say they might may not even have traded for Kenyon Drake had Chase Evans not gotten hurt. So – how how involved he is with but then with that too you have to remember though as well is that that Kenyon Drake is he's not on a long term deal this is a one year deal he's yeah. signed a transition tag for him so yeah I mean I'll say this like I like Kenyon Drake quite a bit heading into this heading into this year but there is that hesitancy with this if anything starts off awry and he struggles in any way that that Chase Edmonds could easily be inserted into this offense as the lead back. Do I expect that to happen? No, but I also know this is an offense that wants to run a ton of plays, which means there's going to be more opportunity there for Chase Edmonds as well. And I do think Chase Edmonds is more than just a strictly a handcuff that's going to have no role in this offense. So I do think definitely, I mean, like I said, if you can get your hand on Chase Edmonds, those are the guys that I'm shooting for. Uh, the, the guys that I'm going to bring to the table, one of them I've touched on a little bit throughout the offseason, so I'll head on him quick, and that is Matt Breida. And the other two are... Surprise me, surprise myself, and if you've been following us, following along with the TFA podcast throughout the offseason, might surprise you as well, but Zach Moss is going to be one of them, and Damian Harris will round out my three, but back to, to Matt Breida real quick, RB38 right now coming off of boards at 9.05, the to lay this out for him, it's simple. That is going to be a team that is not going to be playing with a lead very often. And the running back ahead of him, Jordan Howard, is not anywhere near as dynamic as Matt Breida is. I mean, I think sometimes because of – like, Breida has been fairly injured. Last year did not go well for him. Uh, 2018 was a much better year in terms of his performance and injury, obviously. But coming out of college, you're looking at someone who ran a 4-4-4 92nd percentile. He was a 89th percentile spark athlete. And that is just something that Jordan Howard is not. Uh, if you go back to 2018, like I said, when Matt Breida was was healthier, you know, for relative to Matt Breida's standards, he was seventh in yards per touch and he finishes RB22. Uh, last year, Miami had 20% of their target share go, go to the running back position. And that was with guys like Patrick Laird and Kalen Balaj leading the way. I think Matt Breida is much more capable than any of those guys. Like I said, with playing from behind with that depth chart being thin outside of the receiver and tight end position, I think Matt Breida is going to have to be more heavily involved than maybe we might have expected once he got traded to, to Miami. So, he, like I said, going to RB38, I could easily see a fringe RB2, RB3 finish for him this year in Miami. Moving on to Zach Moss, uh, RB45 at 11.05. And now, granted, we we did kind of, you know, try to throw the, the cold water on Zach Moss a little bit here and, you know, tried to talk about him as if we wanted nothing to do with him. But that was never – that was never really the case. But we were trying to bring that hype down from how some people were talking about him as like RB1 in this draft class, which is just absolutely absurd. But Zach Moss seems to really be impressing people out in Buffalo. Um, 
one of their beat writers came out and said that, you know, it's looking like he might have a much bigger impact and a much bigger uh, role on this team than what, what was previously thought. Kev, we kind of thought that he was just going to slide into the Frank Gore role. He was going to have, you know, 160 carries, maybe be a goal linebacker, and that was going to kind of be it. But early indications, um, I, I think he's going to push for for more than that. And I think if the, up until today, Devin Singletary had kind of been slipping and Zach Moss was outplaying him, and we're, we're recording this on Sunday just for, for, for your information. Um, up until today on Sunday – Zach Moss had been outplaying Devin Singletary. There were a couple fumbles that Singletary had, and he was kind of just shelved there for a little bit. But today, Singletary had his best practice. But I think if he starts to slip, that Zach Moss has done more than enough in terms of what they've seen from him early on in camp, that this could could easily just flip, and this could be Zach Moss being the being the one here to and uh, putting. Devin Singletary in the two spot and instead of having it be that one, a kind of one B scenario that we thought it might be at the beginning of the year. And just, uh, just another note, Zach Moss had, had also been showing well as a receiver. So that's, that's definitely something to monitor. Like I said, at RB 45 at 1105, if things go right, you could be looking at maybe like a back end RB two, you know, if, if things go right for Moss and if things go, you know, the the opposite direction for Singletary, Moss takes that backfield over kind of by himself. So he's definitely one to watch out for. And another training camp darling that I guess I just can't I can't get myself away from is Damian Harris, the second year running back out uh with with the New England Patriots, going RB fifty six at sixteen twelve. So another sixteenth round guy who basically for for redraft purposes right now is kind of going undrafted. But with Sony Michelle still not practicing because he had the offseason surgery, they brought in Lamar Miller, but he's still not practicing. Damian Harris has been getting a large workload out there in New England. He's been showing well across all phases as a runner, as a pass catcher, and pass protection. Obviously, all those things are going to be super important, especially for a Bill Belichick uh, running back. And this is obviously last year with Sony Michelle. He got all of the opportunity that he could have asked for. Didn't do much with it. Whenever Sony Michelle was on the field, they weren't getting him involved as a pass catcher either. So they were kind of. We thought that they were drafting Sony Michelle so that they wouldn't tip their hat whenever they had the whoever they were putting in at running back. But that's exactly what they ended up doing with Sony Michelle because he wasn't getting targeted either. So if Damian Harris is showing well as a pass catcher, like they noted, obviously. James White's still going to be involved. Rex Burkhead is still being involved as well. I think today I read a report where Cam Newton had 28 pass completions. I think it was maybe seven or eight went to Julian Edelman. Rex Burkhead was actually next in catches, and I think he had I think he had six of Cam Newton's 28 completions. So it's still going to be a mess in New England, but if Damian Harris can at least be that that early down back and push Sony Michelle out of it. He could, he could easily have, I mean, you're, you're looking at a, a running back who's being taken in the 16th round who could have, you know, if, if he completely pushes Sony Michelle out of the picture, you're looking at someone you can get with 200 plus carries in the 16th round, which is absolutely crazy. That is, that is massive value, especially in 2020 where, you know, 
86 running backs are going off in the you know the, the first four rounds it, it seems so those are guys that we're looking at we try to bring you some guys that we we hadn't really talked about we've definitely been talking about some of these guys already we, we tried going a little bit deeper for you as well we tried going past the uh you know, the, the Acres and the Swifts and guys like that. I know someone who's moving up for both of us right now, uh, Ronald Jones. He's been getting all the buzz out in camp. He's going at RB30 right now. Uh, Kev, are there any of these other running back sleepers or guys that are going a little bit deeper in drafts that, that you want to take a swing on outside of some of the guys you mentioned already? No, you already mentioned, I mean, Damian Harris and Zach, Zach Moss. I mean, Zach Moss, certainly if you would asked me in April, if, uh, if I'd be excited about Zach Moss in August, I probably would have said no, but here we are. And I, I it's think it's uh, one of the most crucial <laughs> things. Well, but, but I also think that it's uh, super important to be fluid as a, as a fantasy analyst. Most of them aren't most fantasy analysts. Uh, get caught in their take lock and never want to uh, remove off of that. And I think those, if you ever are listening to anybody and they are continually just stuck on that take, and, and even though all the facts are pointing in the opposite direction of that, then those are the, those are fans that you don't want to listen to because they're leading in the wrong direction. You have to remove your bias. You ha- you cannot get stuck in take lock. And you know Zach Moss and Ronald Jones are probably the two poster boys of that. I was not super high on Zach Moss, and here we are. And Zach Moss, you know, continually is getting positive reports, and sounds like he's at least going to be the the goal line back at the very least, the early down and goal line back. But he's also probably a better pass catcher than Devin Singletary because he, he's somebody that could end up being get a three down workload, and you're getting him in the eleventh round. Like, yeah, hammer that all day. Like, like I'm sorry, but like you have to. And then Ronald Jones, like it, it's still tough because I still don't think Ronald Jones is actually good at football ball like i do not like if that hasn't changed but you have to become fluid and he seems like he is the he is going to be the guy in this offense at least early on that's that that's the case and i lashawn mccoy is dead like he's dust and shouldn't even be in the nfl anymore but he is and he's the number two back and there's nothing positive about Keyshawn vaughn we've literally i mean they talked about it the other day about somebody a beat reporter asked about Keyshawn vaughn and bruce arians was like well special teams you know we need a special teams guy kick returner and i'm like not great Bob. yeah that's not good and ronald jones though i will say that ronald jones had a bad day today he did drop four passes in practice today which is obviously not good news uh for him but regardless of that i still think that you have to if you can get ronald jones in the sixth seventh round i would be happy with that if he goes any further than that my opinion doesn't change i would be out on on ronald jones at that point i still would want cam Akers and deandre swift well ahead i'd want ronald jones like i think both those guys are in much better situations and i think clear path touches and i think just better running backs quite frankly and so yeah but I, I that's all i really wanted to say is i just think people need to learn to be more fluid uh whether you're a fantasy analyst or you're a fantasy gamer if there's somebody that two months ago that you really didn't like you really didn't understand but here we are like you have to you have to remove that take lock and you have to be fluid in, in your in your takes and the same thing with Clyde Edwards Flair there's a lot of people that, that are hating Clyde Edwards Flair and don't understand why he's going in the first round think it's ridiculous that he's going in the first round I'm telling you get on board because Clyde Edwards Flair season is here he's going to get all the he's in the best offense in the league it's going to be really 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 hard for Clyde Edwards Hilaire to not work out in 2020. And so I don't care if you don't like going taking Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, late in the first round. You're ridiculous if you don't think that that, that's a good pick. With with everything I said, there's nobody else there. It's the best offense in the league, the most explosive offense. Nobody's going to be game planning for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to have open lanes. He's going to get plenty of pass catching volume. So that's all I'm going to say. So like I said, Take your late round sleepers, you know, take your guys like Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, Chase Edmonds, and then 
go upside. Do not draft fucking Adrian Peterson and some of these other wide, these other dust wide receivers like Golden Tate and Larry fucking Fitzgerald and all these guys. Like it is the terrible, but that is the 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 go to for a lot of fantasy gamers whenever they haven't done the research and, and they've, they've come in late to the party and then so they're drafting and then there's drafting these names that they know whenever you should be drafting for upside swing for that motherfucking fence every time once you get past the 10th round even rule of the ninth round you know it, you should be out there you know going hit, looking to hit that bomb that you're up that 3-0 count you're like Fernando Tatis. 3-0 count. You're up at eight runs. You don't even care. You're swinging for the fences to hit that grand slam and piss the other team off. Like, hammer those those those, uh, those high upside guys. And that's all I have to say about that, Jack. Especially this year with, with who knows what is going to happen. You should be swinging for that upside in the late rounds anyway, but especially this year when we have no idea what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to be missing time. You don't know... Frankly, if we're going to have a 16-game season the way that we normally have a 16-game season. So swing for that upside. Make sure you like, subscribe, rate, review. Do all that for us. We really appreciate all you guys and all the feedback we've been getting. Drop your favorite running back sleepers for the 2020 season below, and we'll be hitting you guys with more content soon. See ya!
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.